Hey guys, it's Tim Gillette. I'm here with another episode of the Tim Gillette Show, and I've got a guest for you today, Ava Fanari, all right, who actually I, I was introduced through TK, who was on just a couple weeks ago, uh, you know, and I'm just like everyone else, going to get to know her on screen. Now, I've had a little bit of a chat with her before we're going live, so I got a couple ideas, and I've looked at her website, so I've got a little bit, but I'm going to find out about her uniqueness and everything, and I'm sure she's got a great story, all right, because basically TK highly recommended she come on the show. Ava, how are you? Hi, Tim. I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. What, what, what are you doing now uh, that we're all stuck at home? Oh, I have a very busy schedule with my solitude in my house and not really solitude. I have two kids. I, we have to do math every day and I love math. So this is not a, a torture for me, maybe as much as it can be for some other parents because already middle school math can get a little tricky. And then I'm a proud mom of an Australian shepherd who requires a walk in the desert every single morning. And we do that as well. But usually around two o'clock, my right around now, my schedule sort of frees up a little bit. So I get to do stuff that I like, like reading and writing and speaking. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, you, you've got a routine or a schedule even in this time right now where you're working at home, right? Yes. Okay. Did you work from home before? So I am a full-time real estate broker as well. I am very flexible in my schedule. I get to do my own schedule or make my own schedule. But when we just went into the whole lockdown quarantine situation, I was like a kid in a candy store. I stayed up until midnight watching Breaking Bad, which I hadn't seen, but it was filmed here in Albuquerque. I thought it would be a good time for me to catch up. And for like three weeks, I went to bed whenever and woke up whenever, and this is not working for me. Nothing really gets done if you live that life. So I am back to going to bed at 9.30 and getting up early and getting things done. Well, wait a minute. Now, my wife goes to bed early, too. She's an earlier to bed person than me. I'm a later, and then I get okay. up later. What What is your normal wake-up time in the morning? So before the whole COVID shutdown, I usually wake up at 5.30 in the morning. Is that okay. late? Because okay. Because you different things to people. No, no. Uh, Ava, when I worked for Starbucks, I had to do a shift, a morning shift, right? The first time okay. I ever did it. And I walk in and I said to my, you know, the shift manager, uh, I said, it was dark and everything. I'm like, what are we doing here this early? I mean, God's not even up yet. <laughs> and he says to me, I mean, he was quick witted and he goes, well, when God does get up, we have to have his coffee ready for him. Oh, there you go. Exactly. Like, like, who gets up at that hour in the morning? <laughs> yeah. And, well, there are folk who do. I heard Oprah Winfrey gets up at four o'clock every morning. Wow. Even if she doesn't have to go anywhere. She meditates and works out and gets her intention and mindset ready for the day. And, you know, she it has worked out for her. So why not for me? I can pull up 530, four o'clock. I have tried that. Uh -uh. No. I'll do that. Eight no. o'clock. I, you know, I do not get up till eight o'clock. Yeah, well, that's, I think that's pretty early. I once had a philosophy professor and he, we tried to get our philosophy class from four o'clock to three o'clock and he couldn't. He said, no, he, it's just too early. Like 3 p.m. was too early for him. 
you could make it by 4 p.m. But yeah, I'm people are different. <laughs> yeah, but I stay working till midnight. Some nights I work till 1 a.m. Even in this, like my wife will go to bed like 9, 30, 10 o'clock. I'll come up to the office and do two more hours worth of work prepping my day for the next day. But she gets up really early, uh, you know, about two hours before me. And she does, you know what I mean? She has the silence of the house in the morning to herself because she's working from home now. So it's it's easy. It's it's unique how each one of us have different patterns. Yeah, it is unique. Yeah. And I but, but if you ever get a chance, then wake up really early and go out for a walk. It's the mm -hmm. time where the people, most people are still sleeping that you can actually hear the earth breathe. It's magical. It's magical. Mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, well, so, you know, I mean, now that we know our schedules and stuff, so you said a little bit about your, your realtor. All right. What else do you, do you do? What else did you do or do you do now that this? So I'm also a, a speaker and trainer and mm -hmm. writer. I have a blog. You can find me at evafanari.com. But I, I train people in conflict management. And it's kind of a topic that's really close to my heart for so many different reasons. And I, I speak on that topic. I train on that topic. And I have sort of two different aspects when it comes to this topic. There is a conflict that we have with other people, let's say, be it your clients, be it your co-workers, be it your superiors at work. And then we also have a conflict within ourselves. And almost like our daily lives are these tiny little conflicts that just are strung together like pearls on a string. And, and those are our stories. Just to give you a quick example, what I mean by those, if your alarm clock goes off in the morning and you press the snooze button, you have just picked a fight with yourself because you had agreed previously that you're going to get up at some point and now you're arguing with yourself. Mm -hmm. So. Those are the topics that I, I speak on. Uh, you know, I, I never thought about that. Like that's, a, you know what I mean? That's something you agreed with yourself. Um, uh, but sometimes like I'm being forced to get up at that because I have to catch a plane. So like I, I, I didn't agree to that, but I guess in a way I did agree to that. Yeah, we live, most of us live in the world, at least in the United States and in the Western world that nobody's really putting a gun on our heads to do yeah. anything. If you don't like your job, we are pretty free to find alternatives. One way or another, we can make it happen. Mm -hmm. We have the freedom to do so. And and it's something precious and we take, we take it for granted because I was born and raised into a system where that freedom did not exist. Oh, wow. You did how you were told. And perhaps you have heard my accent. So I'm from Estonia. It's a former Soviet bloc country, and I was born and raised there. Well, uh, you know, when you were born and raised there, when did you come here to to, uh, to America? I came to the United States in 2005, and I got a scholarship to a university on the East Coast. And I was 26 going on 27 at the time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So now you've told us your age, all right? You can't say anything. Yeah. When we... <laughs> you've, oh, okay. given, you've given it away. Um it's well, a level. It's really not an age. It's the level I have reached. Oh, okay. Well, that's one. That's the more positive way of, of looking at it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, one of the things I wrote down in here is you talked about, you know, working with people in conflict is um, have, have you or uh, were you in something where you basically got into a world of like fighting or fighting against yourself or fighting against parents, something like that, that made you go down that path? 
Oh, yes, absolutely. As I said, I was born and raised into a system of conflict that was mm -hmm. founded on conflict, that thrived on conflict and fear. And I, the whole idea of knowing how to manage a situation where the emotions begin to run high was pretty new to me because the entire Soviet uh, block space on this planet, if you will, is pretty conflictuous to this day. If we have something to say, it gets said out loud and fast and people are not necessarily as standoffish about confrontation as Americans in general are. But American culture thrives on win-win situations. And when I just first moved here, this was a new concept for me. So I know how to live your life when the possibility for a serious confrontation is constantly in the air. And now living in the United States where people for the most part are or sometimes to the other extreme. We we don't, or Americans in general, don't always speak their minds in order to avoid a conflict. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But yeah, so I was like, I'll give an example from my childhood, how that sort of looked like. I was seven years old when I first learned how to put together a Kalashnikov. We spent time and time in bunkers from early on to, you know, practice for this big, bad enemy to come and take us down. I, and the school system was very authoritarian and talking down to kids. And you sort of had to learn to fight for yourself at a really early age. Mm -hmm. So I don't necessarily look like somebody who has been through some serious military training since the age of seven. But, yeah, that's how I grew up. Mm -hmm. And it, it's not necessarily fun to live in that survival mode all the time. Mm -hmm. Well, um, and, and being in that survival mode and the way you grew up, all right, would you say that now in your personal life, do you let your emotions make any of your decisions or are you more of a logical thinking person? I think by nature, I'm a very logical thinking person, but there are definitely situations where I can get triggered and then the emotions run high. It's a learned skill to handle conflict well. Mm -hmm. Very few of us very few of us are actually born with this wonderful trait to go into any situation and be able to calm everyone else around you down as well. Mm -hmm. But it is learned, and I have done some serious study during my studies of history when I was studying history and also just continued it once I had kids and became sort of a family person. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But yeah, there are definitely emotional triggers, but that's part of the whole learning process is knowing when you might get triggered and then what to do next. What are the steps you take next? Mm -hmm. And and is that, uh, you know, when I speak about the emotional or logic is uh, most of the people who come to you for help, clients and stuff, uh, mm -hmm. they mostly most of them are making a lot of their stuff on emotional choices rather than logic. I think it's I think it's uh, like mostly we get into a bad situation or we behave in the way that when we look back later we wish we had said or done something differently based on emotions. We all come with a baggage with a. It doesn't matter whether it's a good baggage or a bad baggage or how we label it. We have our stories that we bring with us every single day into every single situation. And what can be emotionally upsetting for one person is not necessarily emotionally upsetting for another person. But yes, usually when we get into something, we get triggered and we 
react from that place of emotions or we react in general because if something doesn't really get under our skin we don't we don't react mm -hmm. we kind of either respond or we just let it brush off okay. and i think social media is such a great uh, kind of a litmus test for that just to go and scroll down and see what people say and just really don't unfriend the people who are saying things that are upsetting to you use them as your teachers Mm -hmm. How am I going to read that person's post without getting all buffed up? Oh, no, no. The only emotions I have in people with uh, with me is, is I hate when someone tags me for something to promote themselves. It just that yeah. that's the emotional trigger for me that lights me off. But other than that, uh, I try to think logically because I have a lot of friends who don't believe the same things I believe, and uh -huh. it's interesting. Um, but in your case, all right, the people you're helping dealing with their conflict and resolutions and stuff, um, it, how 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 would they find you normally to to like understand? I mean, if they're they're are they searching for someone or is it like you're you kind of are they kind of get mentioned to you know go go talk with Ava? She might be able to help you with that or is it yeah. something? You're, how do you do it? So it happens a lot, but uh, word word to mouth. I mm -hmm. think that's how you guys say it. Yes, yeah. just like uh, you and I uh, got together. TK was sort of the middleman or middle woman for mm -hmm. us. So I and I do marketing as well. I do some marketing on social media platforms, and but most of it is word word of mouth. Because mm -hmm. uh, I would think of how many times do you get into you know I mean you get into a conversation and watch the battle on social media and want to mm -hmm. type in there, hey, I can help you with this. Oh, well, there's an idea. Exactly. No, I have never done this because when there is a battle going on, it's really not a place to go and stick my nose in there because most most of the time people are not coming from that logical, rational thinking yeah, part. Yeah. They are not quite there yet. And they are pretty much at the point when they are ready to unfriend each other. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um well, I mean, it, but you also said you I mean you do you uh, you you work in real estate as a as a, a a realtor or yeah. Yes, I'm a real estate broker. Yes, and this field has been a wonderful playground and learning environment for me. There is nothing that makes you more humble in life than working in sales. Doesn't matter what you have to sell, uh, it's it's a humbling experience for sure, mm -hmm. and I'm very grateful for this. Um, and, and, and how many years have you been doing, uh, you know what I mean? Working in the coaching and speaking and how many years have you been working in, as a, a real estate broker? So I've been working as a real estate broker for seven years now and coaching and training, uh, a little bit over three years. <clears throat> so was the coaching and training, did you find that as like an offset going, finding a need working in real estate or did you, mm -hmm. and, and then develop it? Yeah, real estate is a business or sort of a, a field of economy that runs high on emotions. For most people, it is one of the biggest financial decisions they have to make, either to buy a house or sell a house and to sign up for a mortgage or with a mortgage. So it's that the emotions can get very, very tense and running high on so many different points during a transaction. And really, real estate brokers, part of their job, of course, is to manage the transaction. But the bigger part of the job is managing the emotions that run behind every single transaction. Mm -hmm. uh, and, I, you know, I got to ask, I mean, you're in the business of helping, uh, you know what I mean? The conflicts and the stuff like that. 
-hmm. How many? And you have more than one child, right? You used to get two. Yes, I have two kids. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. How are the conflicts there? Can I ask? Yes, you can. I every day there is every day, and my kids are ten and thirteen, so we can have a serious throwdown at our house just because somebody breathed on somebody else, and and so there's definitely a play field for me again to practice what I preach. Mm -hmm. But it uh, is listen, listen to me. Like our primary families, our kids, and our spouse. Those are our greatest masters on so many different levels. They are the ones who have come here to teach us how to evolve as a soul in general. Yeah. So I, every day I have to remind myself, listen, it's my job is to be grateful for the people I have in my life and for everything they have taught me. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think this 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 time has been, I think, the 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 point I think of most uh struggle my wife and I have had in the 10 years, 11 years, well, almost 11 years that we've been together, it's because we've never worked and been around each other 24 seven uh -huh. as we have for the past month and a half. Other than that, I mean, we had, we had work, our work was separate, so we didn't see each other, but like, but, um, you know, I, well, I think we have per perfect marriage. Uh, she may think differently. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no, but that's true. It's the same in my household. My husband and I, we have never spent that much time together. Never. Even when we were not married and we didn't have the family obligations because mm -hmm. he went to work, I went to work, and he has a traveling job, so he's gone most of the time uh, anyways. But now we're both kind of stuck at home and mm -hmm. I have to really remind myself that at the end of the day he's my friend and my supporter yeah, yeah. because usually the conflict with another person comes from the place that for whatever reason we all of a sudden see the other person as an enemy like they mm -hmm. are out there to get us and it's one of the greatest grounder for me with my husband is that I have to just mentally tell myself listen this is a person who loves you mm -hmm. and you know, even if he doesn't feel like this at this very moment, he has signed a contract to love me for better or for worse. So I can hold him accountable. <laughs> and just to just really sit in that space and just to switch that mindset that this is not my enemy here. Mm -hmm. Like he's essentially not like we are trying to in a we are trying to create uh, the same big picture where everybody is happy and somehow we're getting to this place where <sighs> Yeah. Yeah. So. so, I mean, and, and, you know, in, in this time, all right, where a lot of more families are staying at home and they may still have a lot more, a lot, the conflicts and, and stuff may be a little bit higher. Yeah. Um, are people scheduling calls with you more during this time? No, no. So people actually um, more laid back and kind of hunkered down at this time. You would think so. Right. But no, but I will when we when we come out of this, we will see what the outcome of everybody having to be together in confined spaces is going to be. I will hear this in my seminars that I do and and being back just sort of face to face with people who follow me and who are my clients. Mm, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, are, are your clients calling you? Are your clients not calling you then as much one on one? They're they're basically in groups or or class. Yeah, they're usually in groups. I don't do a lot of one on one work. I have done in the past. I it's not necessarily my niche. I think I do a little bit better in small groups, in small to large groups. Yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and you've not run any like virtual classes or anything during it at this time. I have participated in virtual conferences, but I haven't run any of my own. 
classes up to this point, but I will be doing something by the end of this month for sure. Mm, okay. Um, and when you were doing them live, which I know you're going to get back to doing, were you doing your own or were you uh, facilitating them at, at corporations? I do both. I do some for corporations, but I also facilitate my own classes and I do those in public library in Albuquerque mm. here. And on in those public uh, uh, library seminars, I mostly handle those conflicts that we have with our immediate family and within ourselves. And for corporate uh, clients, I do trainings in handling conflict within the organization with other people mostly and with the clients. Hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, so the public library, do you host them like, uh, are they hosted as like classes that are available to the library or is that something you market, you just rent the space? I, I just uh, rent the space and I market it to outside, but they're open for everybody to come, whoever is around and whoever has interest in a specific topic that I'm talking about on that specific day, everybody's welcome. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and and uh, what, what got you started to to want to do that and run the classes like that? I'm just curious. Yeah, so this is actually kind of a longer story, but uh, you know, when I Tim, when I landed in this country, I came to study here, right? You don't really know when you go to another country what's waiting you there. You have this idea how you're gonna be this super cool chick landed in America, you're gonna study, it's gonna be awesome. And it's one of the hardest things I've ever had to do because I landed with one duffel bag with my clothes and there was a dictionary somewhere in there as well. And like after this long flight and delays and whatnot, because there was a big snowstorm in New York. So there was a 40 hour, eight, 48 hour delay to the university where I was going to study. I found myself in a room with one bed, one dresser and one desk. I didn't have a TV. I didn't have a phone. I didn't have friends. I didn't have a network. I had nothing. And it's almost in my head, I'm thinking it's almost I got this opportunity to start from a completely clean plate. If I had wanted to, I could have created any past I ever wanted because like, how, how was anybody ever going to question? I'm from this tiny little country in Estonia. And it's kind of like going to a, an ashram in India where you just get a cell and that's it. And now you're there by yourself. And what are you going to do with your life or whatnot? And it's luckier the people who get a, a chance to really have that space in their lives to dwell and understand what they want. And it's one of the scariest places to be. I know this uh, French writer, Anatole France, has once said that when he was a kid, he was the coolest, most powerful guy when he, he was on his own. But if he had to go and hang out with other kids, he couldn't even open his mouth. And when he was 40, it had kind of reversed. He mm. was such a cool guy when he was out there and he could put on this bravado and he had his best clothes on and he could fool everybody. But when he had to face himself and look himself in the eye, that's when he got scared. And I kind of had that moment. And I still, I still looked for ways to really muffle my own inner voice until six years ago, I got really sick. And not to start, you know, telling you some gory details here, but I almost died. And when you have that close encounter with death or the possibility of dying, things will shift. And I wasn't really sure what to do with the shift, but I understood that something about me had to change. And I 
started, I joined Toastmasters, I started speaking, and I really started stepping into that field of training because I feel like I'm a born teacher. Mm -hmm. I was a teacher in Estonia. I was a history and civics teacher in high school. Cool. So, uh, you know, Toastmasters was your open up uh, uh, spot here in America, huh? It kind of was, yes. And I joined Toastmasters just to get out of the house. My kids were still like, you know, seven and four, I think at the time of six and four. And I, I had no speaking goals. I had no goals whatsoever. I was just happy that there is this legitimate place for me to go on every Tuesday night and hang out. And that's why I joined. So it was a very wise decision on my part. Mm, okay. Uh, and, and I mean, did you find you loved getting up in front of the room or did you find that, you know, just, it was like, okay, great. Um, I'm breaking out of my shell. Yeah, I it's it's scary. It's still to this to this day it's scary to me. But I'm thinking often of Henry Fonda. He performed on stage until his very last days of life. And people who were close to him, working with him, always said that he almost threw up before every single stage performance, even after doing this for 50 years. So that sort of brings me a little bit of comfort. But I do, I still get nervous, but there's something magical happening within me when I take that stage and I know that I'm right where I need to be. Uh, I need yeah. to be teaching and, and just training. Yeah. I, I find that almost all of us speakers are still nervous when we get up. Yeah. Uh, and, and I mean, I, 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 you know, both TK and I know uh, James Malinchak, who basically says, if they tell you that you're, they're not scared when they get up, they're lying to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think so too. I can't speak for other people. Like I have learned that everybody is handling different And if they are saying that they are not scared, maybe that's how they're coping with it. Or maybe there is like some people who never get scared, but who knows? I don't know, but I know that I get scared and I have to just sort of push through this almost, not pay attention to it. That's my tactic on it. Because for some reason I still do it. And I know that I do it because I have to do it regardless of the fear. And I know that there is always a chance that things are not going to go the way I want them to go, mm -hmm. but you still have to do it. You have to, yeah. I have to do it. I, well, for me, yeah, for me, it's, it's part of my livelihood, but, um, yeah. um, what do you do to get ready to go in front of that room? Do you have any special routines or anything you do to get ready to walk up in front of an audience? Uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm actually a public speaking coach as well. I have, I, a year ago, I coached a, a political party in Estonia right before elections. I, I love that. But I do. I have like a whole routine. I do uh, voice exercises before I go because English is not my first language. So I can, when I get nervous, I can start mumbling words and not necessarily pronunciating the way I should be pronunciating to make sure that my audience fully understands, understands what I'm trying to say. I do voice exercises. I watch my diet on that day and I make sure that I exercise the day before because people come for your energy, right, Tim? They do. Uh, yeah, and yeah. You, have to, you have to live this life. It's not just that, you know, you live uh, however you feel like and then all of a sudden you go to the stage and you're going to be the superstar. You have to work to be able to generate as much energy as possible so that you can project that to your audience. And if you listen to some, like, to give you an example, Brendan Bruchard, did you understand what I said? Brendan Bruchard. Yeah, I, yeah. He has a difficult name for me to say. Like, I feel so. 
I'm so used to hearing it. It's <laughs> yeah. So he does push-ups before he goes on the stage, just to oh, really wow. get his energy flowing. And like, I really like Gabrielle Bernstein, and she does like meditation. Everyone needs to leave the room, and she needs to set that intention and like get in touch, whatever the source she's getting touch in touch with, to have the best she can give to her audience. And mm-hmm. I sort of like that, and and. It, it pays off. Really yeah. does. Mm-hmm. I have a whole exercise. I I actually, if I'm speaking at an event, I have a whole quiz. I do the audience just to get them on their feet and ask them questions. Yeah. <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. like the first six minutes or eight minutes of my my speech. And if you've got a twenty minute speech, I waste half of it asking the questions. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I get comfortable. I think it's a really good trick. Like it's good to build that. Uh, audience interaction really really fast yeah, and it yeah. doesn't matter this is not just for speakers it's for anybody who has to interact with people who they don't know well i just met a client a possible client yesterday the real estate business and now i know that i have about three minutes to build rapport with these people and if i can't have that warmth like that moment of warmth in between us it's probably not going to happen that we will end up working together but that's on me because i'm the professional here she didn't have to come to the house or to meet with me and think, whoa, I need to really, you know, break the ice here fast. No, it's on me and it cannot be uh, overemphasized like that first chunk of time. You know, some people say it's 30 seconds, some say it's three minutes, whatever works for you. But I think you're on the right path. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I and my coach, I mean, he gets up and throws T-shirts. That's how he's, he does his. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've seen so many people do so many different things, and all of them are to get used to being up there in front of the room. Um, but I mean, you know, what I mean, you brought up some interesting things about about how you used to get ready. Um, I don't know if you've ever ever seen the movie. It was called uh, The Cutting Edge. Um, it is. It was a late '90s movie about this couple uh, that met. He was a he was a ice hockey player and lost part of his vision at the Olympics. And she was a couple skating and lost her partner at the Olympics. And then they get together and their first competition together, he's like all sick and, 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 you know, uh, as a figure skaters and, and she goes, what's wrong. And he goes, well, I, I always get sick. He says the first 10 minutes are the worst. And she goes, our program's like three and a half minutes. And he goes, <laughs> okay, six and a half minutes after we're done, I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but you know what? The, the key point here is that he knows his numbers. Yeah, you yeah. have to know your numbers. For me, it's three minutes. I oh. know. But if I, it takes me three minutes to flush those stress hormones out of my system. Oh. And if I can plow through that first three minutes, I'm good to go. Mm-hmm. Like I start really calming down and really enjoying it, getting into the process. Do yeah. You- are you a fast talker on stage? I'm a fast talker on stage. Are you fast talker or are you really slow? I, I am fast and I feel like I need to talk, you know, kind of maybe work on it a little bit, not to be as fast. Because what do you think? Let me ask you this because you have had to listen to me now for what, 30 minutes. Do you feel like I'm speaking too fast? No. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But I listen to fast speakers and I'm a fast speaker myself. So no, uh, yeah. you're fairly right. You know, very even keel. Okay, cool. Yeah. Because my mom always says, well, it, you just do fast. You do fast. And I'm like, yeah. okay, I, I, I'll try mom. <laughs> yeah. 
And well, I mean, it's, it's all different. I mean, you know, different. It's like when I seen my coach be a fast speaker, I was okay. Okay. That's probably why I related to him more uh, than anything. And, and my speaking versus my interviewing two totally different me's, but yeah. they're both me. And that's, what's weird is most people don't get that. You just got to be you where you're at and figure it out. Yes. And you have to be you because you will attract the people who like you. Mm -hmm. No need to pretend to be someone you're not because you will attract the wrong crowd to begin with. Mm -hmm. Not the wrong crowd, but not the people necessarily who would. The people who are meant to work with you, I think. Is that what you're trying yeah, to say? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm trying mm -hmm. to say. Yes, just be yourself. Yeah. Yeah, and I am a fast speaker. I know. I'm even faster in my native language. So that, that part is uh, kind of or it's helpful to me that English is not my first language. It definitely slows me down a bit. So let me ask you about, you know, I mean, when you first came here, mm -hmm. um, a year after you're here, all right, do you feel like this is home or how long did it take you to feel like this is home now? Oh, that's a great question, Tim. Thanks for asking this question. To this day, I don't feel that there's a country that's my home. Listen, America has been exceptionally kind to me. Thank you. I just, I cannot thank this country enough and all the people who have crossed my path. But what I'm about to say may sound a little corny to you, but I, I truly feel like I'm a citizen of the planet, mm. like, a, like a global person in the best sense. And my citizenship would be best described as humanity. Mm. If, if I lose sleep, it's because of the, the humans everywhere. And I know this because when I almost died in that emergency room six years ago, you know, do you ever think, Tim, like, what would be my last words or what would be my last thought before I went? I have a really good idea what my last thought is because I've been there. And surprisingly, it wasn't, you know, my kids are not going to have a mother. My kids will be cared for. They have a loving father. And I am from such a big family and whatnot. And of course, I want to be there for my kids. It's very important to me. I love my kids in case anybody there is questioning it. But my biggest concern was that, like, how did I help just like people, like, like like that average human everywhere in the world? Like, that's my greatest concern. Mm. Uh, yeah. I don't have a question at all. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's like I've never thought about what that last thought would be. Um, I always would hope I would say something funny to make them laugh. Um, I know. <laughs> it's the part of me that just wants to make everybody happy. Is like I would try to do something to make everybody laugh. Yeah, uh, and my and my, you know, what sure. I mean, my family would be crying, and I'd be trying to make them laugh. Yeah. Well, there you go. Maybe there's something you know for you to think about. You should maybe have like a couple of cool things to say. Ask your audience what do you think will be the coolest thing to say, and then practice. So you're ready because, listen, another lesson I got from six years ago is that you you don't know when it's your time. We we have no way of knowing, but it could be the next minute. <laughs> you gotta be prepared. If there's something important you wanna say to the world before you cross over to wherever you believe you're going to cross over, it's good to be prepared. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So interesting stuff that I never thought I'd be talking about. Anyway, <laughs> uh, this has been an interesting uh, conversation today. All right. Getting to talk to you about this and finding out, you know, I mean, your story coming across the planet from one side to another. Yes. And, uh, you know, I've loved having you on here. What is a place, uh, Ava, where people can get a hold of you and find out more about you? Yeah, I think the best 
place to go to is evafanari.com. There is contact Eva. You just fill in the information and shoot me an email. But also, if you just Google Eva Fanari, there are not a lot of us out there. You will either get to my real estate page or to my actual page, evafanari.com. And my phone number is out there as well. Feel free to call me. Feel free to send me an email, which contact me on Facebook and uh, let's see what we can do. And, and uh, oh, we got like we didn't connect on Facebook yet, did we? No, I don't think so. But I did look you up. I don't. I don't. I think I clicked the join button for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I had. Uh, <laughs> well, for mine is is I have everybody going. So you guys know those people who go on is I have everybody go through it a whole filtered our whole th funnel system. So I know who's coming on my show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I have it down that way so that I, they have emails. They know I'm trying to make all my guests so comfortable. By the time they get to the show, they're like, "Well, I love your process." Um, but that's what I do. But uh, you know, it, it's been interesting having you on the show. All right. And I hope more people go out and check out, check into you over at your, uh, your website and everything. Um, but you know, I, I've got to close my show out and, um, I've got to play a game with you. You heard about my game, right? I sure have. Yes. You're not, you're not afraid. Are you? No. You're the I first. You're the first. <laughs> I make people tremble with my game. And I think next season I'm going to change my game so they, they can't come prepared anymore. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not prepared though. I think okay. I said there will be a game and I was like, okay, cool. Ah, uh, so here's how the game works. Ava is, is I have about nine questions here and uh, they're just two different choices and you get to pick one. Okay. All right. Some of these you're probably not going to get. So, but some of them you probably you'll, you'll be decided on right away. Okay. So, the first one I ask is because I want to find out who the sci-fi sci people are, and that is uh, Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. She knows about Star Wars. You're cool. I know about Star Trek as well. For some reason, the Star Wars never made it uh, to the other side of the Iron Curtain, but the Star Trek did. Oh, wow. Weirdest. And I, I was just like, I was... I thought it was the weirdest show ever, so I like I prefer Star Wars, yes. Wow. Cool. I was wondering. I thought that was going to be one like you go. I, know, I thought you were going to say like I never heard of either. I oh. really did. I oh, was surprised heard of them. <laughs> My expectations have been changed. How about this one? Beach or mountains? Mountains. Mountains. Well, you come on. You live in the near the mountains in, in New Mexico. I live near the mountains. Yes, I'm very happy with the mountains. I like high spaces and wide open spaces. And well, beach is wide open as well. But beach is restless for me. Ah, how about this one here? Would you rather dress up or wear yoga pants? Dress up. Dress up. Mm -hmm. Okay. How about taco or hamburger? Taco. Taco. I live in New Mexico. <laughs> yeah, I live in New Mexico. Yes. <laughs> so, but still, the, the the tacos are better in Texas and Arizona than they are in New Mexico. My opinion. Oh, oh, you might have to edit that one out. <laughs> but yeah, tacos for me over hamburger. Yeah. How about wine or beer? Neither. Neither? Don't Neither. drink? No. I am from that, what's called sometimes a vodka triangle of the world. It's uh, Finland, Estonia, and Russia. I, I go for hard liquor if I drink at all. Okay, so I could have gone. I could have made this question for you, and I thought this out long enough and went, vodka or moonshine? There you go. I'll go with vodka. Mm -hmm. 
Have you had moonshine? I probably probably not, but I know that my dad had sometimes bottles of it somewhere mm -hmm. in the corner because when Gorbachev became the leader of the Soviet Union, he went for the dry law. So for a while there, alcohol was prohibited. Mm -hmm. And yeah, my dad had these big containers of who knows what was in it, uh, stuff in the corner of his house, yes. So it's like vodka is like uh, made up made mainly potato, uh, whereas the, the moonshine is like mainly corn. Yeah. So vodka is made sometimes out of grain and sometimes out of potatoes. No. So oh, okay. it's either one or the other. Mm. Yes, and moonshine is made out of whatever you can find in your yard. Well, yeah, there is, but it's mainly a corn base. But there is a lot of wheat, and like like the one that the one that I drink has uh, rye, um, malted barley, and corn. So oh, interesting. You yeah. see, in Estonia or in, that far in the north, corn doesn't grow, so they had they must have made it out of something else. Yeah, yeah. That's why I'm thinking it's maybe from tires. Who knows? People got very creative. Uh. How about going to the movies? Would you rather have popcorn or candy? Popcorn. God, I love a popcorn person. Just saying. Yes. How about this one for dessert? Would you rather have ice cream or watermelon? I would have ice cream. If I have a dessert, I'm going to go all in. Oh, I got to love that. So Yes. So the next one here can create create wars, but I got to ask it because it's the probably the most popular question on my show, and that is the toilet paper. Does it go over on the roll or over? It goes over. It goes over. Listen. So I studied history, Tim, and there is actually a patent for the guy who invented the toilet paper roll, and on the patent it goes over. <laughs> this one drives me yeah, nuts. There are passionate people about this question. I am passionate about this. Very passionate. <laughs> Ah, I had one girl on a couple of weeks ago, Ava, that basically she's a single girl from New England. And she said, listen, if I'm dating a guy and I go to the house and change that role from under to over three times on the third time I break up with him, this relationship <laughs> is going nowhere. I get that. I get that. So Tim, so when I was like in my late teens, my mom gave me some advice when it comes to choosing yourself a man. And she said that, listen, you have to pay very close attention to the kind of toilet paper the man is using. Because if he doesn't even bother splurging on that simple luxury on, his, on, on himself and has some horrible butt scratcher there, he's not going to be generous with you either. You have to run. So there you go. Ladies, if you're, if you're on the market, you, uh, take this seriously because I think there's some truth to that. This has been the inter you know, this this all right th this discussion around the TP question has been the most interesting discussion on my show. So, yep, yep, it's very right, important. I, it's very I, important to us. All right, I got one more question then. Mm -hmm. Boxers or briefs? Okay, so you're talking about the the general underwear that in general American males use. Am I yeah. correct? Yeah. This is confusing. You gotta understand that in Europe, men for the most part wear speedos no matter where they go. And the, the underpants are kind of so briefs are briefs like speedos because I get that completely. Kind of, yeah, kind of, yeah. Kind of, okay. So oh yeah, boxes for sure. This is scary. Like my dad wore briefs and, and it's no, no. You shouldn't do that to anybody. <laughs> See, I told you it'd be a fun quiz. Yes, it was fun. Yes, I love that. 
So, uh, Ava, one more time, tell everybody your website so they can get a hold of you and find you online. Yes, my website is avafanari.com. Very simple. My email is very simple as well, avafanari at gmail.com. No gimmicks there, and please feel free to contact me. Cool. Looking cool. forward to it. Thank you for coming on the show today and sharing your your story with our guests. All right. And, uh, you know, we, we loved having you on the show here today and hearing all about you. So, Oh, my pleasure, Tim. Thanks so much for having me on. You bet. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Go check out Ava at her website, avafanari.com. All right. And uh, come back and see in our next episode. We'll, we'll have somebody else just as cool on here. Uh, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and over on our YouTube channel. I'm Tim Gillette with The Tim Gillette Show. Thank you. We'll see you next time. Bye now.